don't have a ton of time. So, what's up, guys? John Sintes, Cutter Nation Baseball, and Alex Rojas, not much strength. I did this last episode. We come together to form Let's Win a Ball Game podcast. Um, the the understanding of this podcast is that this is a strategy game, not a mechanics game. I know everybody gets excited about watching mechanical analysis and bullpens, but bullpens do not matter. Haha, I said it. I will get out there. They're also boring. So um, if you want to support any of us, um, Alex and I both have all kinds of affiliates that we can put into the show notes so you can follow along, um, get hooked up on some swag you know, for anything from Clean Fuego, Mark Pro, um, let's see, look at my list, Kraken Bat Grip, Scoutus Pro, AccuMobility, TrackMan, Hit Tracks, um, Axio Trainer, and I'll let Alex do well, this too. Right I'm there. not Go ahead, buddy. John. I live one lefty swag bats. But if you come, to, if you come hang out yeah. in Livermore, we can do a lot more than that in person. So there we go. Yes. Yes, we are located in down in San Diego in beautiful Southern California. Alex is in NorCal and Livermore, the uh, Bay Area-ish. Um, but, yeah, so Alex and I have been doing this for a while. We love to go down the rabbit holes. Um, I, I enjoy this human because he um, asks me questions to unlock my brain to go in directions. And so, you know, I've been explaining a lot of my philosophies and stuff. So I really value Alex's opinion. And he's been sitting back and watching me not change anything for years Dude, now, like right? Two years now. At least. Yeah, just been at least yeah, just chilling. So that's what's fun about social media. You know, you things are permanent, but they're also not. And so, you know, if you want to go back and watch me pitch from 10 years ago, you can. You just got to slide the old thing back. There's not a lot of game footage. You can see me uh, do jujitsu on my Instagram. If you want to see me do a bunch of matches, there's, I think I got like six matches on my Instagram. So there's that. I'm still out there competing. I'm trying to get back. I'm swinging. I'm getting my swing back. I'm just being nice on my knee, just recovering that whole process, uh, which is getting better. So I, I've been telling guys this week, how do you change the score in a baseball game, right? Because we've been, we've been using this concept of uh, trying to generate bat speed at our facility for, for the past couple of months. And now, we're, now that we're getting into the season, now it's just like, all right, now we need to actually have an idea of like what we're trying to do, you know, machine work, stuff like that, sequence work. And Matt Rose, our fellow hitting coach, he was watching his daughter play for the Tadeos in San Diego. They're playing UCLA in softball. And he was watching UCLA, you know, kind of tune him up a little bit and just the ability that some of those players have. And he brought up, I can't, I'm not going to say whose niece it was. He might have said Tom Brady's niece hit an absolute nuke, like when there was two runners on or something like that it was just an absolute bomb and it goes back to what we talked about last week which is like try to like do the most damage when it matters the most like hitting a solo home run is sick but a three-run home run's better right like it, it, the idea of yeah mm -hmm. like what you said again last week of if i get ahead on two yeah i'm gonna try to strike the guy out but it's like i'm gonna let the situation dictate what i really need to do and i don't think that's enough 
uh, clarity into that. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was how much of you figuring out pitching came from in-game versus the bullpen? Um, you know what? I think it, it was – so I, I remember rehabbing and joining, like, a men's league just to, like, play the game and understanding that, like, it, it almost seemed like it didn't matter how hard you threw those guys. Those guys didn't have – they had, like, could adjust to VLO, you know, and I was throwing harder than most of the guys in that league, which is still nothing crazy. It was still, like, something high 80s, but um, nothing of what I had gotten to. I think the big difference is, you know, in those games, the mental awareness to like take it like practice where it's like, I am trying to win the game, but I'm also trying to learn from the game at the same time, you know, and, and test strategies that allow me to really see, am I doing, am, is what I'm doing working? Like, can I throw the, can I throw the ball close to where I'm trying to do can I execute, you know, pitches with runners in scoring position and not let them score? You know, can I control the game? I, I think due to video games and understanding baseball strategy, you know, not letting someone score and understand what the, the value of a complete game shutout does to a, for a team offensively is, is one of the most difficult things to do as a pitcher. So that was my first kind of like, yeah. Okay, one, let's see if I can throw a whole game. Two, how few runs can I give up and practice that? Three, like, yeah. can I go a game with no runs? And, and that, that was multiplied in my experience, too, as my conditions changed. So as I get into pro ball, uh, start off in the Frontier League and then end up in – um, the Pecos League and the Pecos League is an elevation um, field. And the first team that I was on, uh, the White White Sands Pupfish in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Uh, it's four thousand elevation with a field that it's three hundred down the lines and three seventy five center. So I mean that's a high school field. And so, just like in the PGA Tour, you know, big league yeah. pro guys play on grown man fields is what we like to call it. And so playing on a smaller field, you have to be more careful. You can't, you know, especially now that we know Major League Baseball is changing the, the uh, PSI dense level of the baseball so they go farther, throw it, like throw it down the middle, see how far they can hit it. There's, not, there's no longer harder. Well, we, we don't know exactly how they're doing it. Right. We, they haven't officially come out and said it, but we do have scientists and people that are just testing, you know, they have come up with a standard of whatever to test these baseballs and can prove that not only in PSI bounce, but in distance, you know, distance that and exit velocity of the balls are going faster. And farther. You're going to make it e like easier to hit harder. You have to also make it easier to fuck with like those two things, because the game just got dangerous. Like, my first thought was, like, fuck, dude, the comebacker is going to be way sketchier now. Like, you're telling me that this dude can hit the ball harder than oh, football, yeah. but I, I have less of an advantage, technically, because I can't do anything extra, right? Like, if you did allow sticky stuff, yeah. sorry to go off on a tangent, but, like, if you did allow sticky stuff, dude, like, again, way safer, because now the idea of getting a comebacker, way lessened. I can spin it and just miss your barrel, but now... 
not only am I dry, but you get to hit the ball harder. Sick. Well, well here's, it, here's my simple fix, is, which is kind of, I don't understand why they're worried about sticky stuff. Just make the seams yeah. higher. What are we doing? Just make, make the seams, the original height before you went to this, like, bowling ball type seam situation so guys can actually hold the baseball okay it costs a little bit on flight like so you you yeah, know how to make up on it with psi you want the ball so you, <laughs> you know what i mean like oh it'll create too much drag so it, it's bouncier like and then the drag is no longer things an issue, that can you know? balance it out and plus i think that the number one thing that should always be above all else is player safety like i don't think a lot of people think about how sketchy it is to pitch because like when you're that close like i've been catching next to some pretty big bastards when i've been playing baseball right but i wouldn't imagine what it would look like to be on the bump because i know how close it is so like just that idea of just like you're gonna stand 61 feet away from you know miguel cabrera right it, he's he's a very very capable hitter of put one right past your earlobe and winking at you at first base like I saved your life. I, I spared you right there. But anyways, yeah. back to the bullpen thing. Um, when you're, like, in a bullpen versus in a game, like, in a game you have the eureka moments of, like, oh, that's the sequence. And then in a bullpen you work the sequence, so to speak, right? Okay. So yeah. to follow that up, exactly. because I've told some of our guys at our facility, like, hey, you guys need to build a sequence that you can throw that's like three strikes in a row. It doesn't have to be a strikeout, but it's like a sequence of pitches, whether it be different locations, same pitch, or what, whatever it is, a combination. You have to be able to throw like three of those in a row. Did you see that video of Pudge talking about uh, the difference in starting 1-0 versus 0-1 as a pitcher? You have five or six yeah. sports strikes. Yeah, what's he saying? It's like or five or six more pitches to throw right. if you're 0-1. You go 1-0, now you may only have three. You just cut your ability to, like, dice this guy up in half. Huh? Strategically. It's a game theory situation, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Like, so, if everything so... is perfect, right, then – well, no, I mean, there's just there's information there. That's what's fun about what he said, right? What you're basically telling me is you think that every hitter not, is going to swing in a, in a fastball count. No, with it's just like in a vacuum, if I start 0-1, theoretically, it would take me at least four more pitches to fuck that up, right? And I'm banking that the pitcher does it, so at least five or six more. Now, that's only going because – that's a guy who comes from a probably a really heavy, like he was such a high level catcher. Like he understood his staff and like who he was catching. So that's probably one guy's opinion. But the theory of it is a good theory. Because if you do start off 01, theoretically, in a vacuum, you are already like technically getting the hitter out like there's a bunch of stats that prove that like guys that swing at an 0-1 pitch versus an 0-0 pitch or a 1-0 pitch you know what i'm saying again it's just, it's all stats it doesn't mean that's like mm -hmm. that's what's happening 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I mean, even then, it, well, that just that yeah, you just like that whole chart situation is just like it's That's just too mean. broad to put in. Right. Like batting right. averages are because there's an I mean? idea like, behind just, it, but that idea isn't necessarily what's always happening. Because like, yeah, like. Yeah, because like if I, if I'm facing Birdo, and even if it's one zero, like it doesn't it right. doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like one zero, zero one. You know it, it it. I know he's looking for a particular region, and if I stay out of that region, then you know I can be pretty successful. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard because you know it's yeah. There's I don't know. Like, like you said, it's still game theory. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, I enjoy a nice 2-0 count. It you makes can me have giggle. fun. Like, some guys can, like, fuck around with a 2-0 count and, like, end up punching the dude out. Three, three straight pitches in a row. Like, it fucking happens, right? right. But I think that, again, that right. goes wrong with, like, player development, right? That's where maybe a lot of guys have stuck their heads in. It's like that idea of game theory. It's like, but how many games have you tried that plan and what happened, right? Like, if you are to actually go to um, shout out to Angelo State, right, versus let's say Point Loma in the College World Series, and you were gonna bet like a like let's say a quarter on every outcome due to stats, you're not gonna win that much money. You you probably would just break even. It's not like you're going out there with like seeker where it's like I'm gonna walk away with hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars because these stats. Or what are going to happen? Not really. Like, game theory is strange. And I think that that's where a lot of high school coaches kind of base mm -hmm. a lot of uh, ideas off of. It's just like, it's like reading a book versus doing the activity. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, the the the, the practice of... Like, what you talked yeah, about... I couldn't agree more. What you literally yeah. talked about... In a game, my steps of, like, becoming a better pitcher were in a game. And you had a sequence of events that – and I don't know if you figured that out beforehand and then it slowly came out one by one, right? Or if you figured out these milestones along the way. But those are better milestones for you to develop a guy over four years. Because if you tell him that as a freshman, now he can work on it for four years. But – Right. Excuse me. You gotta tell that guy, hey bro, or son, if you're one of those guys, you have like, hey bro, I need <laughs> you to first figure out how to at least last five innings in a game before you get to varsity, right? Let's say, let's say he figures right. it out before right. he finishes his JV year, and then maybe he gets three more starts, four more starts. Now you tell him, all right, now. I want you to try to minimize how many hits in five innings you can get, right? Like try to get like less than a hit per inning, right. right? They're just like these little tiny milestones that has nothing to do with what I grew up with, which was the guys behind you in the bullpen, which is helpful, right? From time to time. And he's like, yeah, the changeup looks nice. This is nice. This is nice. That's, I still feel like in the game theory idea, it's like, you know, this guy's good. You've watched this guy throw hundreds of pitches. What's going to really change? Like you already know how his shapes work. Like now, why don't you go behind mm -hmm. the net 
and now go play the video game and you hold the controller and you tell them what to throw. And then you explain why you threw that. Like that needs to happen more. And if you can't do that to those coaches that are out there, you need to find somebody that's capable, even if they're 50% accurate in the situation, it's better than them not having an idea because that's where you talk about the, these all-American prospects that we never hear about, how many of them have original games and how many of them are just like stat studs, right? They, but they just don't have this original game yeah. because no one's ever explained to them how it works. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I think the fun part about what Berto and I are able to do in, in live situations where we can actually talk about, you know, he gets feelings about what's coming, but he's only, he's trying to stick to his plan. And, you know, when, when you can test some of these theories and stuff, you know, like we can even run situations where I'm like, I'm transforming myself as a pitcher to not be a cutter curveball guy. And I'll just be a sinker slider changeup guy today, you know, and being able to take those, sequences and and use those against the game plan for what's happening you know i call it being nice you know i tell a lot of the guys i'm like i'm pretty nice to you guys especially you right he's like i don't throw fastballs inside on you too much you know if i if i really started locating sinkers inside the cutter away would really start annoying you it would it sure work you know so i i agree you know you're trying to put everything together on on what you can and can't do in the box. What, what are you actually good at? You know, that's what video games give you because you get to play games in a sample set that is, I mean, if you don't do this, but you could play 162 games in a row in one day for sure. It's possible, but right. But you're going to burn out. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I see with live at bat guys. I mean, I don't know how many of the most we've ever gotten in at bat, but I, I know, I've heard a lot of our pro guys after facing me for, you know, hour yeah. and a half or so, they're like, dude, I'm tired. You know, like 12, 16, 20 at bats in, in one day is, is mentally fatiguing, you know, of the focus and yeah. trying to be locked in. And I think that's uh, the benefit of these, you know, Korean 300 pitch pins. It's not 300 pitch pin. It's how long can yes. you focus on the thing? You know, I believe it's the samurai the samurai are the ones that try to paint the longest to counteract all the killing well, that they do. So their brain well, is. I, I'm not trying to correct you to correct you, but it was, they wanted to have an art form that they could practice as diligently. That was the yang or the yin of what their practice was. So the opposite, right? So if you're going to be a badass right. swordsman, you better know how to paint right, exactly. just as fucking good as you can wield that sword. If not, you're not as complete as a samurai. Right. Right. But that's, a good concept right it's like okay yes. yeah you can throw the piss out of him and pull down but can you like articulate to me how you're gonna strike this guy out in three pitches and you're like okay like like totally. those are two different so okay. matt rose i call him rain man when he does shit like this so i'm not gonna say the number but again this is a stat there's a uh a, a finite number of outcomes in a baseball game it's like three million three hundred thousand and something right and the other day, he was just talking, he asked this the general group. He goes like, if there's a man on second, where am I bunting? Right? And the group gets it wrong. And like I was in, like I was like, oh, this is going to get wild. 
And Matt just went on a tirade of like, this is why this happens and this happens. And I was like, did you guys just see how he knew everything that has to happen in a game for one thing to happen? And they were like, yeah. And he goes, probably 60% of an MLB roster can honestly do it as fast as he did it. But that's because coaches are here to guide you through that kind of a thing, right? It's like, this is how this is going to work. And we weren't talking about bunting. We were talking about, like, what do they expect you to do? Like, show a bunt, get them to start moving around, and then you swing the bat, right? It's just the concept of strategy of, like, how do I start making movement happen that creates disruption in the pitcher's ability to get me out? Because once the infield starts moving, guys and gals that are watching this out there, that pitcher is almost designed to do one of two things. Throw a meatball, or he's going to smoke it in the ground. Or just throw it over somebody's head. Because that's just what pitchers do. They're going to overthink it, or they're going to they're gonna throw a frisbee. It's just going to be like, flink. If a dude executes, that dude's a stone-cold assassin, and that guy's dope. And you just you go like, hey, this dude's like really good. Right? Like, this suit's great. Like, what are you going to do? But <laughs> theoretically, again, in the game theory, right, you got all these guys moving, there's a possibility. So where do I hit the ball now? And there's what – it depends. What's the count? Right. What's the pitch, right? But it's just that idea of that has to happen. Like, we need to spend, like you said, an hour and a half doing that as a baseball team. So when we get to that situation, it's like semi-pro. You guys are gonna run this play until you puke, right? And then they run the play to win the game to win third place at the end of the movie, right? And you know, right. I forget who it was. Uh, it's a dude from White Man Can't Jump. What's his name? So, uh, Wesley Snipes or yes, uh, and Carroll. he goes, "Come on, guys, we're gonna run the play." And they're like, "What's the play?" And they go, "Are you serious? I made you puke." And they go, "Oh, that play." And they're like, yeah, and then they just execute, right? But that's what it is. It's like you have to do something, yeah. but it's specific in baseball. It's not just swing the bat and hit it the other way. It's like you need to have that guy being told what to do, and you're being told what to do, and you're both working on it in a live scenario with a runner on second base. Mm -hmm. And then whatever happens, you run it back, and then you run it back, and then you run it back, and then you run it back. <laughs> And then the next guy's up. Yep. So maybe one guy gets four at-bats. That could take, like, what, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes? Right. Dean, Dean calls it foul ball. If Dean rolls over to – Hell yeah. Stuff, he'll just Dean, say foul ball. That's dope. <laughs> and, we'll, and then we'll just keep going. I'm like, okay, well, I guess one, it's one, one now. Not 1-0. Not <laughs> Roll over to third. No one, two. On All right. No foul fish. ball. Got a no pitch called that ball. <laughs> but tell me, like, mm -hmm. tell me exactly. one thing that is like a, a situation. Let me let me ask this question differently. Rewind, erase that. If there was a situation that is like a seven ten split in baseball, and if it's first and third, I don't care. But whatever it is. What's like a good specific situation that you feel like guys should look to dominate first? Like what you talked about earlier, like I'm trying to do this, this, and this. Is it like truly like, hey, be able to get a double play when you want? Like there's a guy on first base, one out, less than two outs, like get a double play. Yeah, I would, 
I would say like inducing double plays is like the because there's just so it's such high risk reward, right? Like high leverage mm -hmm. one out first and third double plays, right? High, high leverage second and third no outs, nobody scores. You know, like that's a strikeout situation with the base open. So like being okay with tripling up sliders, like oh my god, like especially after watching the Caribbean series and watching how all the teams are going through it, you know, there's so much respect for some of these hitters that, you know, you just see the amount of spinners and change-ups and splits and cutters and curveballs that come out and, and they pitch, you know, to, to what I see, they pitch correctly to the situation. Now, do they execute in the situation all the time? No, right. That's, that's the difference. But, you know, when you're facing big league hitters, they can adjust, fast to slow and see the mistake and still take advantage of it, you know? So I think that um, those two are huge. Um, I, I really think runner on second, runner on third, either one, that's a situation. Can you get out of it? Because, like, runner on third, infield back, yeah. you, you just – you have to strike the guy out. The ground ball, you lose, right? So – can you get a strikeout with a runner on third? I, I, I distinctly remember a couple of my starts in pro ball, giving up some crazy, like, guy misplayed the ball, runner on third, no outs, first batter of the game, and being like, sick. All right, I can strike him out, or I can walk mm -hmm. him on some close pitches, and nothing, nothing's happened. So I, I remember one of the starts that I had where I just, like, finagled around a couple guys where I, like, struck, struck it, you know, guy on third, no outs, first inning, strike a guy out, walk a guy, strike a guy out, mm -hmm. walk a guy, strike a guy, strike a guy out, you know? And then my coaches are coming in going, hey, he's throwing too many pitches. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we made it out of that inning unscathed, by the way. You know, there were some foul balls and there were some other things that happened, but like, uh, it's zero, zero. So you're welcome. You know, you're welcome for not giving up. Yeah, so you're welcome for not giving up a run after our right, field, right fielder zooted and then jogged <laughs> after the ball. Remember that? So you're coming at me. You're coming at me for throwing a ton of pitches when nobody scored? He Nothing zooted out happened. right field. He didn't know where he was at. Who's this guy? Who did? Oh, just some random uniform no, person. Some um, Middle Eastern guy which, trying to get us to the uniform. Which is... Pop anonymous, what's, what's up, guys? There it is, right there. We're a manufacturer. Yeah, sorry, there's, there's too many of you. Market's full. Um, uh, <laughs> so the other thing that I wanted to just touch base on before we wrap things up here, we were talking about. Um, I remember in probably a couple podcasts back, wasn't the last podcast, we were getting into. Probably another game theory question, but you, you and I both have like history playing baseball back east and then coming out to California and having uh, a different perspective on the game. And one of the things that goes with again, the theme of this podcast is like stats and theory versus real life. And I think that a lot of scorekeeping has made issues. Like, the idea of, of winning is great, but the idea of what we're talking about matters more. And I feel like there's a lot more sandlot baseball, pickup baseball that happens back east, and it's almost too organized in the West Coast to the point where it's annoying. 
Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I think it's not. I think it's now emerged everywhere. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any sandlot. The, there's no. It it brings up it bring, it brings up a good point, right? Here's a couple things with this. The organized so. baseball isn't bad. We are organized How baseball. We are organized baseball. Now, what we are doing right. is taking the Sandlot style of a continuous game in live at bats. We're doing so. We had a parent yesterday come up to me and just thanked us for. There's five of these kids that are on the same travel team. And half of their team wanted to go play in this like Friday night league. And the other half came and trained with us and the parents, uh, they just finished their two month training process. And the parents came up to us and were like, this was so much better than everything we did. We, we knew what day and what time that they were going to have training on the weekends because we scheduled it so we could schedule our family's lives around it. So these kids still got their seven days a week training that they want to do. Number one. Number two, we also knew that they were going to be specifically in a spot for their daily training of Monday through Friday because they were able to schedule the same time to them where all five kids are going to be at the same time. And so they also knew that they were getting so much more in a two to three hour practice with us than at practice itself. So not only were we superior to their winter rec league, they didn't get sick because they weren't outside in the cold weather. They didn't have late Friday night games. By the way, 9.30 start p.m. for a 12-year-old kid on a Friday night. Right. Sweet. Who? I don't know who scheduled this. This is ridiculous. Right? That's so, late for a 12-pitch Those things. And, yeah, what do we, I remember my dad playing so much and being like, <laughs> I'm not doing the 9.30 game. I'm like why? And he and he's like, he's like no, done at midnight. Absolutely so, not. Um, so yeah, I think that the process of putting it all together is one of the things that I'm very excited about the future of what we're doing here because you know we're constantly trying to make the whole process better from everything from in season training, strength training, hitting, pitching, like you know. We, we just want to help people understand that you can train like a professional baseball player at seven, eight, nine years old. It's not crazy. It's just an organized system that actually Plus helps you get better. So, there's Dominican kids that are doing you know, it, I, and they're, I, you know, they're where they're at. Right. And I would argue that a sandlot baseball situation wouldn't make someone nearly as no, good of course as – an organized, efficient system, right? But I do understand how people could put that together where it's like, well, we just played wiffle ball every day. Well, that's completely different too, but you're still attacking the hand-eye uh, hand coordination system that needs to be upgraded over time. So you're not doing anything wrong, but you don't have to put on a uniform and go down the line and stretch for that to happen either. You just do like every other kid does. You walk out in the backyard, you practice swing like three times, that's and then I'm you start whacking balls. Like what right? you just said, that's what I was done with with baseball. That was it. It wasn't – it had nothing to do with the sport. Yeah. It was just like, bro, I'm totally cool with like hitting pitchers and like catching and like doing that for the rest of my life. But like I'm just cool with like the whole Star Spangled Banner and like that whole thing. Like let's just go play ball. <laughs> like I'm – A hot take. 
I love Hot take. We're America. removing Don't all national guys. From... I love America. And if you want to fight Thanks me on so. that, I'm sitting on my jiu-jitsu mats right now. Let's go, bitch. But if, <laughs> if, if just the concept of, like, let's speed this game up happen, like, theoretically, you should be able to play two baseball games for the time that it takes one. Like, we really should. And it's yeah, college baseball. You can get you can get a two and a half plus, hour game. At least baseball. I've never been to a Savannah Banana game. I'm gonna take my girl and my boys to go to the Savannah Bananas. That's in my list in like the next like three years. We're gonna go to that because I think that that idea of baseball. This is my closing spiel, right? That idea of baseball is like the Sandlot style that I grew up playing. Like I didn't grow up playing like. Hey, call 12 of the homies. We're going to go play. No, it was like a group of six guys. We're going to go to the field. And the main thing was I hung out with just a bunch of dudes that hit bombs that played Division One baseball. And a big thing that we played was let's see how far we can hit it. Right? We're going to play home run derby. And I grew up playing that. <laughs> and that, that was a part of like I played with a guy that played at yep. Nevada Reno and then a guy who played at UCLA. Those were my two main guys that I played home run derby with growing up. And trying to compete against those guys, you figure some stuff out, right? The other thing that I grew up playing that I was so ashamed that kids didn't know what it was, fungo golf. The fact, like, I asked a group of 12 kids <laughs> that had never played fungo golf in their life. And I was like, you know how golf works, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you just do it with a fungo on a baseball field. And they're like, what? I was like, well, what is not to understand about that? Like, I felt like I just nailed the explanation there. And they <laughs> and just learning that, like, back control, learning That's how funny. to hit a fly ball versus ground ball, like, understanding, like, I, I didn't know this until two weeks ago. It's easier for you to hit a fly ball if you use your bottom hand for the toss. It's easier for you to hit a backspin ground ball if you use your top hand. I didn't know that. But I heard it from an infield coach, Matt Rose, again. He's been in the game for forever. But he goes, watch. And so I just, I've been messing around and, like, hitting balls into the net. If I were to hit a fungo now, like, I'm way cleaner now hitting those three hops with backspin to the shortstop, the third baseman, second baseman. But Sandlot style kind of helped me understand how to swing, and it did probably a lot of – like, dude, I grew up playing uh, that fungo golf game. We had a three-mile-long sports park. That was baseball fields, football fields, soccer fields. Wow. It, it was everything, right? And it was in my backyard. Like, if this was my garage, I would walk through this, and there's the Little League field, right? So we would play for quite literal hours, mm -hmm. right? Bring in a couple extra balls because you're going to hit some in some people's houses. They get mad, and you just run. And we grew up playing that. You would probably take 50, 60, 70 swings a day, but you have these, like, distinct objectives. Like, I'm going to try to slice this ball around that yeah. chain link fence so I can be set up so I can hit that soccer post on the other side. But you're, you're right. not playing golf because you're swinging a baseball bat. You learn how to stay inside the baseball, elevate, stay on top. It's just it, – it was a way for me to have player development. Now, is that better than training at Cutter Nation or TPC with me? No. It's a – Part of it, though, because it teaches you different things. Playing one base, which is like pitcher's hand baseball, like over the line. It's, it's, it's one of the simplest ways that you can just figure stuff out.
If you have right. seven guys in practice, you can play games all day. Like, hey, we're going to play one base for two hours. What's one base? Here, let me talk to you. You go play over the line. Yeah. Play over the line for an hour <laughs> with a little league team. They'll figure out how to field a ground ball. They will figure out how to make diving catches. Right. But if they're not competing, right. yeah. bring lollipops. Make them play for lollipops. <laughs> yeah, Line everybody up at short. Just never works out. Never. Everybody go short. Oh. Why? He's left-handed. Get him out of there. Yeah, exactly. Get a cannon. Put him on the mound. Okay. Can't hit. Dude, that would be hilarious. <laughs> He's got a, He's got a cannon. Piece. I actually had a, uh, a kid come in yesterday that had only been playing baseball for like six months. But he was a really smart kid. He was 10. He was going to be 11 during the baseball season, I was like, wow. And we, we were just talk, talking about how the strategy of the game works. And I was like, this kid doesn't need help with his swing. He's a little too far gone. He needs to, you know, understand what we're trying to do. And I was explaining, like, where would you want to hit the ball if you were trying to score a run? And he asked a really good question. He was like, well, where's the runner? And I was like, nice. This kid's – I didn't ask him that. It was like, this kid's going places. So some kids get it. Some people get it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, my friend. Well, um, I do believe we have reached the time of the day where we have to sign off. It was a pleasure catching up with you on this. Good questions. Appreciate it. Happy pitchers and catchers reporting. I'm sure we will have some more information next week as more arms continue to be hurt. I don't know how you show up to spring training. Um, and need surgery at the same time. I do believe you miss the window of the off season for you to get better. But hey, A's, really good job there. Really good job training, Frankie Montas. Did he already get hurt? Outstanding, because that was wild. He showed up day one. Has to have freaking labrum surgery. I was a Frankie Montas guy <laughs> when he was in Oakland. I, that was my guy. I know. I know. We talk about him a lot. Ouchie Lala. Oh, by the way, I looked man. at the Oakland A's roster. I could name three yeah. people, four people. I was just born away. I was like, I don't know who any of them Who the hell who are, are these guys? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who the hell are these guys? Yeah, exactly. Love it. But you know they're going to oh, turn out some dudes. Well, I'm That's just for waiting sure. for the Orioles to show up this year and shock everybody and just win 95 games out of nowhere. You, I don't know. It's just what, you what think happens when young happen? dudes get together and they play baseball sometimes. They can win a lot of games. They don't know they shouldn't be that good. And that's the Truth. beauty of it. And they just win 95 <laughs> games. You're like, these guys, their average age is 24 years old. Who the hell are these guys? And it's, well, Adley Rushman, hey. That, I mean, Matt Wieters was a dude, which is funny that they drafted another switch hitting catcher. <laughs> It's like they dated yeah. one girl and then they went for the same chick. She just has different hair color, maybe, or accents. Yeah, just, from it, a different part like, of the country. Oh, no, she's Portuguese, not <laughs> yeah. Brazilian. She's from Portugal. Oh, God, God, okay. <laughs> same language, though. Oh. Yeah, yeah, same, same language? Same language. No, same yes. Language. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, buddy, um, <laughs> hey, I want to catch up with you off of here about um, – more of this because I had an idea for this, but I wanted to say it on the air. I have trivia for John all the time. Maybe I'll ask him on the air. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Sounds good.
Thanks, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, this is going to be available on all platforms soon. So tell your friends about hey. it. Hide your kids, hide your wife. You know? Hey, happy pitches and catches, brother. See you. Happy Wednesday.